When Jerry moved to Chicago, he was overwhelmed. It was nothing like his small Minnesota hometown. The traffic, the skyscrapers, the smell of falafel from the corner Mediterranean restaurant, the crowded L trains, the diverse residents, at least in his Rogers Park neighborhood, all made for a bustling, exciting city. But when Jerry encountered panhandlers, it made him uneasy. There was a lady who said she needed bus fare to get to an interview, the guy who said he wanted to buy a sandwich, the other guy who beatboxed on the red line, the more it happened, the more resentful Jerry got. Not least to do with it was the fact that most folks who asked Jerry for something were black people. And Jerry had never really gotten to know any black people, not in his lily white Minnesota town. He certainly had never had any black friends. Jerry was on edge around anyone with a different skin color. He began to develop the art of not seeing and not hearing. That person asking for something, pretend like you didn't see it. Not hearing the person even ask for directions. Jerry stayed in his own shell. And then Jerry got a slap upside the head, figuratively speaking, during a visit from his mother. They were walking downtown along Michigan Avenue, and uh, they saw a black woman in front of them suddenly fall hard on the pavement. Jerry didn't notice and was about to walk on by when he heard his mother yell, Jerry, help me! Turned and saw his mom helping the woman back up. Are you okay? His mom asked. I should be fine. I guess I tripped. I just need a moment, the woman said. He and his mom helped her to a nearby bench. After making sure she was okay, wasn't seriously hurt, didn't need 911 called, he started to walk away and his mom whispered, what is wrong with you? Didn't you see her? What have I become, Jerry thought. But it isn't about what Jerry had become. It was about what Jerry was all along about those inner prejudices and fears and resentments that bubbled deep within him caused him to stop seeing. Today we hear two stories that reflect, that talk about seeing and not seeing. Who sees the man lying on the roadside? Who sees Martha as she's busy trying to get the meal put together? And who sees Jesus? We've heard this parable, the Good Samaritan, so many times, it's cliche. We often reduce it to a, a, a simple moral. Help those in need, which is great. We should help those in need. But there's so much more to the parable than that. It robs the story. Just reducing the story to a simple moral, as good as that moral may be, robs the story of its, of its offense, offensiveness against taste, boundaries, and common decency. What are you talking about, Pastor? You may be wondering. Well, think about what happens. A man who is strongly implied to be a Jew 
is traveling from Jerusalem to Jericho when bandits attack him on the road. They take his things and nearly beat him to death. Two men who should have been pillars of Israel walk by. Sure, they may have incurred ritual impurity for touching someone who might be dead, but rabbinic tradition was pretty clear. There's nothing wrong with incurring that if you, save a, if you need to save a life. They simply don't see. They simply don't see. Or rather, the text tells us that they see, but they choose to walk on by on the other side. Having seen, they refuse to act. Even one of their own countrymen. We might expect the next person to walk by to be an ordinary Jewish man. If Jesus had told it that way, it might have been more popular with his hearers. The triumph of, of the common man over clueless elites is a perennial theme. But that's not what happens. Instead of an ordinary Jewish man, Jesus tells us that a Samaritan comes by. We talked a bit about Samaritans last week. You'll remember that the rift between Jews and Samaritans is primarily concerned about where to worship. Is the proper location for worship and sacrifice on the Temple Mount in Jerusalem, or is it Mount Gerizim? However, there's ethnic prejudice at play here, too. You can read it in the Bible. There's a belief that Samaritans were not pure descendants of Israel due to resettlement by and intermarriage with foreigners after the Assyrian invasion. It got to the point where Nehemiah chased a grandson of the high priest out of Jerusalem for marrying the daughter of the governor of Samaria. And that's Nehemiah 13.28, if you want to cross-reference that. You can imagine the amount of re resentment that built up over six or seven hundred years to the time of Jesus. These are long-standing, this is long-standing bitterness. So, we should understand how shocking this would have been. How offensive this would have been. It would have been like, let's see, it would have been like the Pope walking by on the other side, not helping the guy in the ditch. Followed by Tom Hanks walking by, not helping the guy in the ditch. Followed by Osama bin Laden, helping the guy in the ditch. Samaritan sees... The total stranger sees when others choose not to see. The hated other helps when others choose not to help. When that man is beaten and broken on the road, the person you would least expect saves his life. Something else happens around seeing with Mary, Martha, and Jesus. Mary sees Jesus. She sees him for who he is. And Martha sees her tasks. And to be fair, there have been plenty of bad sermons on, oh, Martha, she didn't see that, uh, she, um, she didn't see Jesus. Well, someone had to prepare the meal. Of course, someone had to prepare the meal. And you don't see Mary helping out. But beyond that, Jesus sees Martha. Jesus sees Martha when her frustration boils over. Jesus sees her and her great care for taking care of others, her, her heart for caring for others. He also sees her anxiety and her frustration. The meal will be provided. The reader knows that. 
feeding of the 5,000 is just before this in Luke chapter 9. There's only need, Jesus says, of him and his word. Jesus invites Martha to see him as Mary sees him. And Jesus invites us to see him as the man on the road surely saw the Samaritan. As an outsider. An outsider who is surprisingly nearer and dearer to us than we can ever imagine. The outsider who comes to us, who picks us up, who sees us and our need. Jesus sees us. Jesus sees us when we feel invisible, unheard, lost, when sin beats us up and leaves us in a roadside ditch for dead. Jesus pulls us up out of the ditch. Jesus carries us. Jesus heals us. This is true our whole lives. Sin beats all of us up. Sin leaves us all in the ditch for dead. Sin, the overarching force that turns us away from God and from God's intention for our lives, leaves us lost, invisible, unheard. Yet Jesus sees and hears us. Jesus pulls us out. Jesus heals us time and time again. And Jesus sends us down the road again, this time with better vision better hearing, better perception of the neighbor in need. Sometimes we may need a smack upside the head like Jerry got from his mom to really see. But Jesus equips us to be better neighbors to others because he is the best neighbor to us. To get past our prejudices, our fears, our resentments, our anxieties, to see the other as Christ sees her, as Christ sees us. See, Christ calls us to see others, whoever they are. Let's pray. Jesus, as you see us and are the best neighbor to us, help us to see others and be good neighbors to them, whoever they are.